Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our resident missionary, David Pear, as he brings today's lesson. One of the most important things that we can ever do this side of heaven is help someone to know God. And I have the opportunity to do that all the time, and it's a blessing. And I can't describe to you with words what it means to bring some soul to Christ. And I can't equally express into words the heartache in helping someone to know God and come to that point and they say, whether with their words or their attitude or their actions, Jesus is not for me. In the book of Acts, which is a book all about some of the acts of God as revealed through some of the acts of some of the apostles, we see three responses to Jesus. Some obeyed, some ridiculed or mocked, and some said, I want to hear more. In other words, I'm going to wait. Every one of us have three opportunities, a three cho- uh, basically three choices, but an equal opportunity to make one of those three choices, three decisions. What will your decision be? As a Christian, we all the time have opportunities to know God and to draw closer to God. But sometimes we can have and find objections. To set this up, by way of, of, of observation, Mike has encouraged me to, to, at this, to, use these opportuni- to, to use these lessons to share with you either primarily a typical lesson that I would preach in Guyana or somewhat what a lesson, uh, an example of a lesson that I may not ever preach in Guyana or at least not for a while. And those are, uh, the example of those would be uh, very educational or academic, intellectual um, for obvious reasons. In Guyana, we, uh, uh, there were opportunities to uh, uh, evangelize and to build up and to do good works to help others to um, uh, know that we care. This morning I want to share with you the fact that we do have uh, sometimes objections and uh, excuses from time to time. It's, it's natural as a part of this life. We're also going to look at how those excuses uh, affect negatively the work and the growth of the church. And then finally we're going to overcome those excuses and, and notice um, uh, how we can involve ourselves in ministry. And again, to set this up, uh, you know, in, in the vein of, of presenting a lesson that I would normally do in Guyana, uh, I was there in Guyana this last time with two students from Bear Valley Bible Institute in Denver, Colorado. Their names are Peter Yukich on the left and Daniel Besterwich on the right. And they were fine examples of, of uh, soul winners. And it was a, a privilege and a pleasure for them to, to be on this trip and, and uh, for these two weeks as we went to primarily two locations in Guyana. Every day was filled with some, some good work of evangelism, edification, benevolence. And uh, after they were, all, they were getting ready to go get on a plane to leave the interior and make, start making their way back home, they said, tell me about Mokomoko Falls. And I said, well, that's a you know, pl- place up in the mountains, uh, um, just a little bit, bit of hike uh, into the mountains. Uh, and uh, about an hour we could be there. And, and, uh, and it's a place of the waterfalls in the mountains. It's really nice. 
and, uh, and uh, can we go? And I said, well, we've got things to do. And, and, and they said this, they said, well, everywhere we visit, everybody's talking about Mokomoko Falls. So I thought it would just be, it would be a great idea to, to uh, see what, what everybody's talking about. And I thought, okay, let's go to Mokomoko Falls and let's have this opportunity and uh, to, to fellowship one, uh, with, with one another and, and kind of end this trip on a, on a positive note. So the day before they got on the plane, we went to Mokomoko Falls. And at Mokomoko Falls, there's this oasis, this little uh, pool of water. It's very deep. And there's a large rock. And, uh, you know, I, I've been there a couple of times. My daughter, Nalia, has been there. And uh, uh, so we get there and, and, and they see this rock and they find a way to climb up. And, and they, and they uh, are jumping from the rock uh, into the, the water. And, uh, of course, you know, like any time that uh, you do something nervous, uh, you're, you're shy and, and you don't want to do it. And, and, then, and then finally you make the jump. You make the, quite literally, the, the plunge. And uh, during this time, this, uh, you know, I've got my camera and I'm, I'm recording them uh, making the plunge into the water. And, uh, of course, when, when one student does it, the other student has to do it. And then uh, uh, there were a couple others that were with us and, and, and they made the plunge. And... So everybody makes the plunge and then they go to me and they say, okay, Dave, your turn, your turn. <laughs> and, uh, and then I began, I began to come up with excuses of why I'm not going to make the jump. Now, before I get into those excuses, I'm going to talk a little bit more because there's another video. Well, I think I can go ahead and have, start it playing too. This doesn't look very high off the, the water and, uh, and it's, well, depends on how, uh, how scared you are, it may not be very far, or if you have a fear of heights, uh, it may be very far. And of course, it's not as high looking up as it is looking down, and you understand why. And then again, uh, during maybe the drier parts of the season, the, the water level is down further, and so that jump is a lot higher. Well, they, they said, okay, and they really began to apply the peer pressure. And uh, they said, okay, Dave, it's your turn. It's your time to, to jump. And I said, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to jump, and here's why. Now that we've seen their heads come up, we know they're alive. You know how the story ends. Now let's get to some of the excuses that I began to give about why I'm not going to jump from the rock. First of all, I said, and by the way, as a minister, I'm, as a preacher, I'm always looking for illustrations and examples that sets up the next sermon. And all of a sudden I got it. The two people that, that took us to the Mokomoko Falls, and we went in their car, it was a couple that uh, they are Christians, but they are not faithful. They've got some things in their life that, uh, that has got their attention, and they've got two smart little kids and, and, and just fun to be around. And uh, God will get them. We'll get them. Now, in Guyana, it is not the case that when you go to somebody who's not living right, you know, here it's almost taboo. There's some things you can't talk about. One of them is religion. It's, it, 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 there's, it, it's a, on the job, there's a prohibition sometime, many times about, uh, you can't talk about religion, can't talk about faith. In Guyana, it's not that way at all. Here, let's say you're not living right and I come to your house and, and, or maybe we're just in conversation and, and uh, I may have to, you know, be very skillful in how I, you know, leave a, a, a warm, positive uh, uh, encouragement for you to give up sin and come back to God. But in Guyana, it's not that way. Here, having fun, I begin to give excuses. And these two, this couple, this fine couple, 
they begin to laugh because they know who it is, to whom I'm speaking. It's too far to swim. And sometimes in the church we have that excuse. It's too far. You know, in Guyana, uh, I hear that a lot. It's too far to walk. And so they're thinking, if I only had a car, or if I only had money for transportation, or if the church had a bus, and, and transportation is very important. But now I'm speaking to an American audience. Everybody's got a car, or two, or three, or more. The car's not the excuse. It's not here. There's something else. It's too far. What is it? Well, when I was on the water, it's just too far to swim. It wasn't that far. Ten seconds and I would have been the other side. It would have taken ten minutes to try to get up on the... Uh, and that was my next excuse. Well, it's, it's too high. It's too high to jump. Now I'm just coming up with all the excuses I can because I, it's great to come up with excuses of why not to be involved. And then, well, I might fall. You know, up on the rock... You know, you saw in the picture there was woods behind there. In fact, there's nothing but jungle back there. You, you go around 10 trees, you see 10 more. You go around those, you see 100 more. And where there's trees, there's a lot of leaves. And when leaves get on rock and then get wet, it becomes very slippery. And you make the wrong move or shift your weight in the wrong way. And now you're sliding down the rock and maybe landing in a way, even if it's in water, in a way that uh, you didn't plan on. And then the objective of the whole afternoon has changed. Or the whole experience anyway. I might fall. And personally, here's another one. I said, you know, if I go, I have, I've, I've, if, if I jump off this rock, I've got uh, some serious explaining to do. You see, my daughter went and, uh, and when I took her and her best friend who were in Guyana uh, at the time, there were some Amerindian kids that were jumping off the rock. And, you know, my daughter, she's uh, 13 or 14 at the time. She says, Dad, can I do that too? And I said, absolutely not. Because it's a long way back to the United States to fix whatever you might break. And so if I jumped off that rock, I would have some explaining to do to my daughter. Dad, you wouldn't let me jump, but you jumped. Well, if I keep going and, and, and especially come away from the, fall, the, the, the jump off the Mokomoko uh, Falls rock and come strictly into the church, I might, I might come up with some other excuses why not to get involved. And that is I don't have the right attire. Or maybe, I, it's, you know, why not to get involved? It's not my job. That's somebody else's job. Or what about, you know, I, I've never been asked. Nobody's ever asked me. Nobody's ever, I guess I'm not really thought of because nobody's ever asked me. This, this excuse is really popular in Guyana. We're studying with people and, and, uh, and uh, they'll say, well, before, you know, I want to know first. I want to know more first. No, no more what? No more Bible. I want to know more about God. I want to know about Jesus. I want to know about His plan for me in my life. Well, how much do you need to know in order to do what's right? How much do you need to know? It's like, how much do you need to know to get married? How much do you need to know to, to have kids? How much do you need to know? I thought I knew everything about kids, and I had kids. And the older I get, and the longer I have kids, the more I know nothing about kids. More excuses. I've got four more. I don't have time. Some people say, well, when I'm out on my own, I'll have time for Jesus. They say, well, when I'm married, when I finish school, then I'll have time for Jesus. When I'm married, when I have kids, I'll have time. When you get married and have kids, you realize you have less time than what you had when you were younger. So do now what you want to do because the day's coming when there are a whole lot of distractions. 
And some say, well, when, I'm, when my kids are out of the house, then I'll have time. Well, when I'm retired, then I have time. And I've heard from people who've retired and they say, I have less time now than I did when, before I was retired. I don't know if that fits for you or not, but I hear some people say that. I guess it's true. I don't know. I'm not retired. I'm tired, but I'm not retired. Some people say, well, I don't want to get involved because I've got a family. Well, what does that mean? But on the converse, on the flip side, some say, well, I don't want to get involved because I don't have a family. Whatever that means. Like, why would those things be a hindrance to getting right, obeying the Lord, and plugging into ministry? And then finally, I'm not living right. I don't want to get involved in ministry because I'm not living right. Well, you said right. You first got to take care of yourself. You first got to get out of sin. But that doesn't mean you're not useful to ministry. After all, we are all sinners. And here's a good opportunity to take a little small rabbit trail. You know, I hear people say, well, I don't want to come to church because there are hypocrites there. Well, I've got three things to say about that. Yep, there are hypocrites in the church. But there are also hypocrites out in the world. So hypocrites in the church doesn't mean anything. Number two, where should the hypocrites be? But in church. And number three, I'm the biggest hypocrite. In other words, we all are. Excuses. How can we overcome excuses, objections in getting involved? And secondly, which is important, when shall we overcome them? But let me give you in the second place adverse effects. So when we allow excuses to get in the way, when we allow our objections to interfere with us getting involved and plugging into the church and the family, number one, the church experience of, uh, experiences a lack of growth. The family is not growing spiritually because you and I as individuals are not growing spiritually. And that's a problem. Second, and add to that, uh, we have division and jealousy. Because if we're not growing spiritually and we're all uh, care about our own things and, and our own way of life and have no concern for what's outside the house and what's going on in the church, then now we all have our own agendas. And it's not about God, it's now about me and I and about you and yourself. Third, when we all let our excuses get in the way, there's limited involvement. And finally, what I love to call second-class Christianity. Now, just to be clear, we are all worth the same. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, there's neither male nor female, nor bond nor free, or um, um, Jew or Greek, or bond nor free, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all worth the same. We may have different roles, different responsibilities, but as far as worth, we are equal. I am your brother and you are mine or, or you are my sister. We are equal. But sometimes we allow our excuses to get in the way and then we begin to experience something what I may call second class Christianity. Do you know what a second class Christian is? It's someone who never plugs in. They may show up for the feast, for the good things, for the, for the give out, uh, the, the giveaways and the handouts. But when, it comes to, but when it comes to responsibility and accountability, 
I will not be seen. Thank you. Because I am a second class Christian. I, a second class Christian. And because of that, I can then get by with the very minimal and minimum of what God expects for me and still put on my coat and come on Sunday and say, I am brother so-and-so and I am a part. And oh, by the way, I'm going to go to heaven. Let me tell you something. If I've got to pray for you and sing for you and visit for you and, 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 uh, and, and live your Christian life for you, then I'm going to go to heaven for you. You cannot avoid God and still be saved. It is a lifestyle. It is not something we do just on Sunday and then we go back to the way things are Monday through Saturday. It is a lifestyle. It is a way we think. It is a way we speak. And it is a way we do and a way we live. And it's revolutionary. And so when we let objections get in the way, the church is adversely affected and we start having these class systems. Well, there's first class Christians, you know, they're the ones that are dedicated. And then we've got second class Christians. They are nominally uh, nominal in their attendance or participation. And we love them, too, because sometimes I'm that. And in all honesty, because I'm gone so much, I feel more on it. I feel the least amount involved in local church work that I ever have in my entire life. It comes with the responsibility of being gone all the time. And if there's any, any consolation for COVID, I got to stay home a little more. No, no, a lot more than I ever have. And now I'm itching, ready to get back to the way things were. And I know you are as well. We've looked at objections or excuses. And we've also looked at adverse effects on the church from letting those objections hinder us from plugging in. But in the third place, I want to give you some opportunities of plugging in. I want to give you, and and, and I want to do that in three ways. Number one, I want to give you some examples of, of the way mission work is done. And I want you to know that mission work is is not just studying the Bible or visiting or preaching or teaching. Uh, it, is, it is ministry. Mission work is not much different than local work. It is ministry. It's getting in the lives of people and helping them to get in the lives of others. If I love God, I'm going to love others. And I'm going to help them to love God and showing that by loving others. It's that simple. In this tote, which represents my suitcase when I go to Guyana, I take various things. I don't take all these things all the time, but uh, these things I'm going to pull out are examples of things that I would take to Guyana. And I, and again, this lesson I preached about a month ago, well, maybe six weeks ago when I was in Guyana. And my third point was the same thing. And I opened the trunk and I said, okay, we have, and I started naming some things, and I said, who's going to get involved? Who's going to lead this ministry? This is a songbook. It's too, this is going to be too far to go up and down. Anyway, I take songbooks because churches need songbooks. I somehow had uh, two copies of this Bible. I lost my Bible and I started using this one. I took this down to Guyana, and then there was a new convert, uh, a, a family. The, 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 the mom and dad had become Christians. They were in their 20s, maybe uh, late 20s, maybe early 30s, <clears throat> maybe not that old. But uh, anyway, uh, normally we give a Bible, a nice Bible to somebody who, um, uh, who becomes a Christian, and they didn't receive one. And so I gave them my Bible. 
Uh, this is the second copy. But uh, anyway, we give furnished Bibles to Christians so that they can study. We give, um, we give, we have pew Bibles that we give out freely, but when somebody becomes a Christian, they get a, a nicer Bible. Uh, and many of them use it as a, as a family Bible. Uh, I also take tracts. This is a way to evangelize the lost, but also Christians have questions sometimes, and sometimes the, the tract might be helpful to a Christian to answer a question that they've always had. So there are tracts. And all of these are ministry opportunities uh, for local people there in Guyana to, to kind of take the lead. Hey, I want to take, take this responsibility. As you and I know in the local church, it doesn't just happen. Church and ministry doesn't just happen. Worship doesn't just happen. And by the way, I love the way we worship. It's so seamless. It's so organic. It's natural. Another thing that I would take is uh, a Bible correspondence courses. And so I invited somebody to uh, take the lead in that. Who, and by the way, this John Hurt course, it's eight lessons. Um, <clears throat> Uh, they, the church at Culvert City Church, uh, Culvert City Church of Christ in Lethem, uh, is studying this right now. And uh, while they're at home in COVID, uh, during COVID, uh, they can uh, uh, they can study and uh, learn more and, and all that. Here's a little booklet. Now that I'm a Christian, some of these things are geared for non-Christians, and some are geared for Christians. And so this helps people to know some basic things about being a Christian and what they can do moving forward. And so these are, some, again, these are some things that I might take um, to Guyana. Here's a, here's a little book. It says 365 read aloud bedtime Bible stories. You think, what in the world do you use that for? Well, there's, there are families that love to have, a lot of parents say, what can I, what do I do with my kids? And I would love to tell more about that. Uh, I just don't have the time. That's for next, uh, next report. Here's a bear. You and I know about these very much, uh, a lot. And in April, I took these. And the Culvert City Church of Christ is now stuffing bears. And they've stuffed all the bears that I took. And I have a label that says, uh, Culvert City Church of Christ welcomes you. And I met with uh, two doctors on this last trip and who knew what the church was starting to do, Culvert City. And they loved the opportunity to receive some of those bears and do what... Um, what Culvert City, or what Richmond has been doing since the 80s or, or more. Uh, here are toothbrushes, and this is a sewing kit I, I took. Uh, this is some uh, supplies in a, in, a, in a sewing kit of what I would have taken uh, to Guyana. Again, opportunities. Uh, these are things I take, and I've invited people to uh, there to take the lead in, uh, in taking on these, these, these opportunities, these ministries. And so locally, I'm encouraging the, the local guy in a church to, to, to not just wait for me to come and say, hey, here's what, here's what I brought you. In fact, I don't, I don't give these things out while I'm there. I highlight, I bring it, I leave in the trunk, I show what's there, I talk about it, I explain it, and I leave it for the local church to use and distribute according to, as they see fit. This is the first aid kit that I put together using a medicine bottle. A mask, we all know what that's about. And readers. This helps people to read God's Word. And uh, so somebody's there, needed there to understand uh, the, the importance of, of re fitting people for readers and fitting people with a copy of God's Word. You'll have people in their 20s. Because eye care is not very prevalent, you'll have people there in their, in their 20s that have a hard time reading. And so people in their 20s need readers. Let's see, I have a few more things here. Oh, that's readers. 
Here's another little book, Bible Story Time, Daniel and Lion's Den. And I love to see these little kids take these little devotional books, these little be uh, 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 bedtime story books, and then read them. It's an opportunity for them to yet again hear and to know and to learn about what Jesus has done for them. What I've done so far is to give you some examples of what I take and the importance of plugging and emphasizing local people in Guyana to step up and take on these as ministry opportunities and make sure that they get done. In the second place, there are opportunities for you to participate in mission work. Perhaps you're at the store and where am I at here? Perhaps you're at the store and you see some readers. You may pick up one or two. Uh, perhaps you have an old Bible. It could be new or it could be used. Uh, it could be Grandma's Bible that, uh, that you want somebody in Guyana to have. And uh, I'll take that to Guyana and, uh, and make sure it gets used. You might have a songbook. You might, you might know of a church that, that has, has stated, hey, we're going to PowerPoint. We, we don't need songbooks anymore. Where, what do I do with these 200 songbooks? I know a guy. <laughs> and maybe you can help participate in that way. There are many opportunities to help in mission work so that the local church in Guyana can benefit and have opportunities to pl themselves plug into ministry and themselves grow their local church. In other words, kind of duplicate what we're doing here over there. One day they'll grow to the point when they can say, David, thanks for coming. We don't need you anymore. And I will have met the goal I set out to do. Establish strong, locally led congregations led by God-fearing men who can teach others. In the third place, I want to tell you there are opportunities to plug into local ministry. I'm not going to emphasize this as much, seeing and knowing that, that this whole month is going to be dedicated to emphasizing and plugging local ministry. But it doesn't start and stop with the, local, with the foreign mission and, and tracts and bedtime story books and readers and, and, and things of that nature. These are very specific and tangible things that help, uh, that help me and the work that we are doing together in Guyana. However, there are things here in the local setting at Richmond that need to be done. And there, are, there is ample opportunity to get involved with something. And so be aware, be listening, be attentive, be alert. So when something is described and, 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 and it's right down your alley and you say, you know what? I don't know about any of that stuff, but that I can do. We can use you. We can use you. We want to use you. We are waiting to use you and we will use you. You just have to plug in. As a final thought, in Guyana, when I would, in ending the lesson and wrapping up the lesson, I returned to the idea of Mokomoko Falls. And I would say, what do you think? Do you think I jumped? What do you think? Did I jump? So I asked the audience in Guyana, do you think I should jump? I didn't jump. I, didn't you listen to my excuses? 
I did not jump. But do I need to jump from the Mokomoko Falls to show that I'm willing to overcome objections? If so, I invited the church, let's all go to Mokomoko Falls and watch David Payer jump off the rock. And we're going to sing the song, Shall We Gather at the River? And then David jumps from the, the, the rock, and then we sing the song, Here Died David at the River. <laughs> Do I have to jump from the rock in order to, to, to encourage people and to show people by example that I can overcome ministry? I mean, that I can overcome objection because I jumped from this, 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 this crazy rock. Surely I don't have to jump from a rock to show you how to overcome excuses. I think about heaven. And the older I get, the more I think about heaven. And as I approach the sunset, such as this, I think about what's beyond the sunset. And every day I ponder the question, if I'm on my deathbed and I'm looking back in life's rearview mirror, what decision would I beat myself up over for not making? Or what decision would I, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, to use the same phrase again, beat myself over or, or, or uh, uh, badger myself over, uh, what decision would I badger myself over making? Did I accept the Lord? Did I deny the Lord? Or am I saying, I'll wait to some other day to hear the Lord? I love each and every one of you, and I want you to know that I love what I'm doing, and I'm doing what I love, and I'm so glad that you are doing this with me. And at this very moment in time, having heard this lesson concerning ministry, again, not just foreign ministry, local ministry, ministry in general, let's go to heaven together, and let's not wait too long. You may say, you know, you are... You are persuading me to get involved. Don't be the one who said, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. With little more persuasion, you would have made me a Christian. Don't be that one. Whatever your need is, come forward as we stand and encourage you. One of the elders will receive you. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.